Hi everyone, this is Mark here from the Cork Motors Movement. Welcome to episode 5. Um, we're going to have a shorter than usual podcast today. Um, I know I haven't done a podcast now in a couple of weeks. Um, so it's good to get back to doing one again. Um, so just to kind of go through what we're going to um, go through on the, on the show today. Um, there's just four topics I want to discuss. Um, the first is social media. Um, the second is the Cork City Development Plan. Um, the third one is public representative support. Um, and the fourth one is the future of the movement and this podcast. So I'll get cracking on social media there. We'll just get straight to it. Um, some of you might have heard me during the week. I was on the Neil Prendeville show discussing um, what I saw as bad social media behaviour. Um, and just to follow up on that, I suppose, I've had some feedback from people on Twitter and stuff um, regarding, I suppose, the what some people saw as that being a distraction from what... The goals of the movement should be so just i just want to draw a line under it from here on is that i'm just going to go through my thoughts and opinions on it today and i won't be discussing any further social media um or what i see as bad social media behavior on this podcast or even on local radio local media or on our own social media page i won't be discussing it going forward it'll be just kept to the goals and aims of the movement which i'll clarify at the end of this program so just to recap what i said on neil prendeville's show during the week was that i i think when i see people posting up photos of um bad parking in cork um and when i see people posting videos of dangerous driving i think those things don't belong on social media i think bad driving and dangerous overtaking and things like that does need to be reported to the Gardaí and it's something I've said previously and I just want to reiterate I I know of no case where the Gardaí refused to prosecute where there was clear evidence of dangerous driving putting cyclists or pedestrians at risk so I think that the Gardaí need to be the ones that investigate those and the ones that um, bring those to a conclusion. Um, and th- that should be brought to a conclusion by the Gardaí. There's no, in my opinion, there's no need to be identifying people on social media. Um, and by identifying people, I'm including people's registration numbers of their cars um, or vans or faces of bus drivers or anything like that. I think... If you want to put up those videos on social media, which is something I don't recommend, I think people should not be able to be identified from those videos. So block out the registration numbers, blur out people's faces. I think it's completely unfair um, and on people to be posting those on social media. I think punish, punishment for dangerous driving is decided by the Gardaí more in most cases now severe cases do go before the courts um but the Gardaí obviously send it forward to the dpp to prosecute um so i think those things should be dealt with by the justice system and there's no need to have a further courtroom and judge and jury on social media because i think all it does is reinforce divisions between various road users and it makes people angry and the likelihood is, as I said to Neil during the week, that 
the person that's been responsible for it will never know that you put it up on social media. So therefore, they have no right to comment on it. They have no right to defend themselves. And I'm not saying that this type, this behaviour should is defensible. But in any justice system and in any case where you're accused of wrongdoing, you have the right to sell, to defence. And whether you're guilty or not doesn't impugn or or mean that your right to defence is removed you still have the right to defend yourself and if the courts then decide and if a judge decides or a jury decides then that you're guilty of that offence then they're the ones who can punish you they're, a judge is the one who can sentence you for that that offence that you might have been that you would have been guilty of but i i think people some people don't seem to think that that's enough, that they want then to, okay, take someone before the courts, to have someone found guilty of dangerous or reckless driving, but then also put it on social media for everyone on social media to have their own trial and courtroom on social media so that they can condemn you further. But that's not actually achieving anything. And it's something that Neil said to me or asked me about um, towards the end of the programme on Thursday, I think it was, um, whereby he asked, look, there, there was a, a, a texter came into the show to say that if the guards won't do anything about it, and there's no evidence that the guards won't do anything about dangerous driving, um, if the guards won't do anything about it, it's up to people to do something about it themselves. And it was a question I posed to Neil. I was like, I said to him, what is that person suggesting? What is that texter suggesting that if someone does something on the road to you that's dangerous, are you to confront them yourselves? Because to be honest, that's not something I would encourage at all. In fact, it's something I would actively discourage because in a lot of a lot of people will get defensive about it. Even the most even the most nice person or the most calm or rational of people will get defensive if you're confronted if someone confronts me on the street about what they see as bad behavior i'm going to try and defend myself and there is a, a minority of people out there who will not who will go a bit further than that in that and it's something i said to neil i gave the example if someone cuts you off or if someone does something to you on the road and you blow the horn at them you're going to get some some people will give you a reaction far worse than just blowing the horn like we hear of certain road rage cases whereby some people get out of the car and act in a physically or um in a physically threatening manner or in a speaking threatening manner for want of a better term and they're just intimidating people i'm not defending that type of behavior but i think if we go around confronting people ourselves we're we're opening ourselves up to some people giving us that reaction that kind of threatening reaction and it's up to all of us to to protect ourselves if someone does something wrong to you on the road and you have a video of it on your dash cam or on the camera on your helmet there is no need to react anymore just hand it to the guardy let that person get justice or let you get justice and let that person face justice in the court system rather than you having to confront that person yourself because it might end up well for you the person might apologize but the chances are you'll meet someone someday who won't apologize who won't take kindly to you 
confronting them about their bad behavior and who could seek to do something to you that's worse than what they've already done. So I think that's the last I'm going to say of it. Um, I, I wish these instances didn't happen. They happen to motorists as well, from other motorists. They happen to pedestrians and cyclists as well, but I suppose the difference is that pedestrians and cyclists are a lot more vulnerable on the road than motorists are. Um, I wish those instances would stop. They're not going to stop because people post those videos up on social media. They're going to stop by the guards prosecuting people for dangerous road behaviour. And they're going to stop by the council enforcing the parking regulations and ticketing people um, who park where they shouldn't park or mount footpaths or, or things like that. And Neil suggested to me that we could, that it was... It was a bad day for the city when they stopped towing cars away. And I think he was right. People who, who park in, in cycle lanes, park in disabled parking spots, park in park on footpaths, they deserve to have their cars towed away and they deserve to have their cars towed away and be given a fine that not only matches the cost of sending the tow truck out, but makes that it actually adds another penalty onto it so as to dis to deter people from doing it going forward and so that the council and the taxpayer are not at a loss because of people's selfish behavior so that's the last i'm going to say on um poor social media um behavior is what i see it the social media behavior is no doubt driven by people's poor behavior on the roads but i think posting those things on social media doesn't achieve the outcomes that some hope they do so I'm going to leave it there and hopefully we can draw a line under that now. I don't expect that social media behaviour to stop. I've given my opinions on it and I don't think there's any need for me to further elaborate. I'm not going to change my opinions. More than likely the people who are posting those won't change their opinions. So I think we should just respect each other's point of view and let's focus on some more important topics um shall we say and by what i mean by important topics more important than what people post on social media road safety obviously is of the utmost importance and if i can be of an in any way an advocate for road safety and in any way an advocate for people driving safer or being safer and better pedestrians and cyclists then i am more than happy to play a role in that so I'm going to move on now to the Cork City Development Plan, which some of you might have seen that I lodged a submission on behalf of the movement to the Cork City Council during the week. And I suppose it's a very good um, development plan. It reads very well. It's it's well presented, well laid out. But the number of I, I would have a number of concerns um, regarding it. So just the first one, and I suppose it's directly related or indirectly related to what i've just discussed is enforcement of parking regulations and we, we we've all seen on social media during the week for those of us who are very interested in transport matters in cork is the the, the amount of money that the cork city council have spent on repairing the footpath outside the courthouse on washington street um and there's no doubt that the footpath was damaged because of illegal parking. And what's very concerning and indeed disgraceful really is that this week after the new footpath has been completed, the illegal parking has continued. And I don't know who keeps park I don't know who's parking there. Is it people going into the courthouse? But if it is people going into the courthouse, then 
you would expect it to stop on a Sunday and a Saturday, which it hasn't done. Um, or is it people working locally who don't have anywhere else to park? I don't know. But that's not important. Why someone's parking there isn't really the most important issue. And it really, it isn't, it isn't an issue at all. It's not an important point, of, a point from it. What's very important is that the enforcement measures by the City Council are very substandard. Um, I saw on Twitter somewhere um, that yesterday or the day before, someone had gotten figures... It was actually Owen English from the Irish Examiner. He'd gotten figures from the City Council as to how many parking tickets were handed out um, on that street um, in 2019. And I think it was something like two, which is shocking. Like it, the, a, a parking ticket in the city costs 40 euro, which is too cheap, by the way, because it was 40 euro 10 years ago, too. Because I hold my hands up here, I have gotten some parking tickets, and um, not for parking illegally on footpaths or anything, for parking with a parking disc, and paid my fines absolutely more than more than deserved the parking tickets. But that's a, that's an issue for another day, the price of the parking tickets. But the council enforcement of those parking regulations leaves a lot to be desired and like if you park illegally on South Mall you're almost guaranteed to be caught because they're walking up and down South Mall every day Um, I hope that's not because it's right next to the city hall it probably has something to do with it and like parking on the South Mall is probably one of the most sought after locations in the in the city to park but there should be a lot more traffic wardens and parking um, enforcement um officials coming out of the city hall and going on to washington street going on to north main street going on to um i forget the name of the street the street um near the the train station where we see a lot of photos going up of people parking in the cycle lane there like we there should be a lot more like those areas and those particular instances are well flagged to the council and there's been serious enforcement issues highlighted there for the last number of years. And it's a win-win for the city council. Their, their reputation with people in the city will go up. Their income from parking tickets will go up. And hopefully, and the, this is what I said to Neil, the only way of getting people to stop parking illegally in the city is stricter enforcement. And if we get, get ram home the message... And ram home the message that if you park illegally, you're going to get caught and you're going to get ticketed, then people will stop doing it. So I think the, the, the city council really do need to up their game in that one. And it's it's re, it's very re, related to the city development plan because the city development plan sets out what kind of city we, we want in eight years' time. It's to 2028 and what kind of city we want to live and work in. But... It, the city has enormous potential to be a great place to live and work, but the city council are letting themselves down on those matters and they're opening themselves up to constant criticism and kind of accusations that they're protecting an elite because if it is judges and solicitors and barristers that are parking on the footpath and they've no evidence that it is, then it it kind of it goes along the lines of what we've seen at the weekend and the last three or four days about the that golf outing in in County Mayo or is it County Galway? Um that it's one rule for them and another rule for the rest of us. And that 
that kind of attitude and that kind of way of doing things in our city and even in Ireland can't be acceptable anymore. Those things can't be acceptable anymore. They should never have been acceptable, but those kind of self con or subconscious kind of rules or those hidden rules of official Ireland need to be stamped out. They need the city council need to really up their game. Now, they'll probably point to the fact that they probably don't have enough funding for it. And that's up to the city council and the Green Party, who Eamon Ryan is the minister for just, or the minister for transport, rather. And they need to be providing more money to city councils and county councils for ongoing costs like enforcement of local bylaws like parking regulations because enforcement of parking regulations I am almost sure is a national issue. I'm sure there are other councils around the country who locals will feel they don't enforce the parking regulations um, as as well as they should and I think that the that central government need to provide more money to the city council for that and the city council need to manage their budget better in that if they have a certain amount of money to spend every year there's no point spending them all on cycle lanes or footpaths or pedestrianizing streets if they're then not going to enforce those measures in that like we're going to see that probably the marina now is going to be pedestrianized um permanently um, the part that's already pedestrianised and that, that's to be welcomed and there's, there's four million that have to be allocated to the city for pedestrian and cycling initiatives or improvements but that four million is a capital grant that four million is a capital amount it needs to be matched by current expenditure which focuses on enforcement of making sure that people don't break those rules and don't park in places they shouldn't don't occupy footpaths where they shouldn't and things like that so there needs to be a much better focus on that and that's that's all i have to say for enfor about enforcement for a while and the next thing about the city development plan that i kind of want to talk about and it's something that i i brought up in the submission to the city council on it was regarding the Cork metropolitan area transport strategy not to mention the fact that it's imbalanced the lewis doesn't go near the north side the planned train stations in blarney and blackpool and monard are have been planned for 20 years and um, they've never actually been funded there's no funding for them now it's committed for in the program for government to support the cmats but the funding the detail hasn't really been followed from that um but cmats takes us up to 2040 and to to include it as a cornerstone or a key aspect of the city development plan is worrying because the city development plan takes us up to 2028 in all likelihood the, the key the key infrastructural items that are needed from cmats which is those train stations, the Cork Lewis, the North Ring Road, which has kind of been faded out. And that's something that's really critical to balance development in our city. And also, um, I mentioned the Lewis and the train stations. They're not going to be even started by 2028, by the looks of it. Never mind finished. So to have do to have CMATS included in the city development plan, obviously it should be, but to have it such a key part of the transport 
element of the development plan really does strike me as worrying because we're not going to have CMATs for another 20 years if we have it at all like there's no guarantee that the Cork Lewis will happen there's been a tender put out for the route um, but like spending money on designing a route doesn't obligate the city council central government or transport for Ireland to allocate any funding to actually construct the project it's worrying it really is worrying so to have that as a key aspect of the transport strategy I think is misguided and it's something I saw Councillor Oliver Moran tweet about um, when he, he tweeted his submission to the City Council on it that CMATS needs to be brought forward and that a lot of the projects in CMATS needs to be brought forward and he's, he's quite right in that if we want to develop the city over the next eight years I'm not saying in eight years time we will have a Lewis but if we could start the Lewis project and if we can open up the train stations in Blarney and Blackpool quite quickly then we'll, we'll go we'll go somewhere and we need to revive the the North Ring Road but Councillor Moran is right to have a transport strategy that takes us up for 20 years included in a development plan which go, runs for eight years are we just going to include CMATs again in eight years' time? We're having no progress. And should we say at that stage, uh, sure, there's 12 years left till 2040, but we've plenty of time. That, that's not good enough. We need to bring forward and absolutely ring-fence those projects to make sure they do happen. And I'm not confident it will happen, by the way. I'm not. I'm not confident that will happen. But we need to put pressure on the city council. We need to put pressure on city councillors. We need to put pressure on our TDs and ministers and the Taoiseach to actually make sure it does happen. And we need to say, look, the vast majority of spending on public transport in this country over the last 20 years has been in Dublin. We're the second city, even though we think of ourselves as the real capital, but in population terms in the Republic, we're the second city. It's about time now that transport in our city and public in, and public transport and roads in our city and in our north side is brought up to the required standard. And we need to be putting pressure on our public representatives to do that. And regarding public representatives, it's the next topic. It won't, I won't dwell on it too long that I want to talk about is public representative support. I, we've interacted, and I've interacted through, the, through Twitter with a number of public representatives. I must say Des Cahill, to be fair to him, Councillor Des Cahill, has been very engaging with us i i tweeted a couple of weeks ago and i i, I mentioned him about the need for an ordering road and to be fair to him he was very quick to support it and very quick to say that we need a balance on in our city between the north and the south side too much of our traffic is focused on dunkettle and the jack lynch tunnel and that that needs to change so i i think he i deserve he deserves a praise in that respect um he gets a lot of criticism from some people um, regarding, I suppose, support for cycling and things like that. I suppose what some people seem to think is that by some people questioning the need or questioning the rationale behind cycling infrastructure in a particular place or saying that, OK, we need we need to accommodate motorists as well. Some people take that as a personal criticism. And I think Des Cahill 
Councillor Cahill has taken a lot of grief from some people on social media about his, I suppose, what they would see as lukewarm or cold support or cold support for cycling infrastructure. But I think he realises that cycling is limited in what it can achieve. There are a lot of more people cycling now and no doubt there will be a lot more people in the future. But as CMATS points out, bus will still be the main way of commuting around our city. If you're using public transport or if you're not bringing your car, bus will be the main way. And that's the way it's going to remain, even with the train stations and even with um, the Cork Lewis, if they do happen. But that applies to cycling as well. Cycling will be a very attractive option for a lot of people, but it won't be something that some other people, probably a majority of people, will think will be attractive to them. And that's their right. That's their right. People have the right to choose which form of transport that they want to use to get to work. And none of us are obligated to sacrifice our way or your own way of transport for the betterment of cycling. What I'm saying is cycling projects deserve funding and the four million is very welcome. But what I'm what I'm also saying is that before we go removing car access to the city centre, and we all want a car-free city centre, but that can only be achieved through proper initiatives in improving public transport, which CMATS does. Cycling will go some way to taking cars off the city or cars off the streets and cars out of the city, but it won't it won't complete it. It won't result in thousands of cars coming off the streets every day. It'll make it safer for the people who are cycling and it'll encourage people who are thinking about it to take it up because they'll have the protection of the cycle lanes. But we can't, and it's something I've said before, we can't just be interested in moving congestion from the city centre to the suburbs. We need to remove congestion we need to remove cars from the road, not just move them. And I think public representatives who express that point of view have been targeted in some respects by some people on social media. And I would include Councillor Terry Shannon in that. He gets an awful lot of criticism, especially regarding access to the Tremor Valley Park. And that's not something I want to dwell on too much. But looking at it on Google Maps and even driving past it, I'm not so sure that that junction as it stands at the moment is particularly safe to have pedestrian and cyclist access en masse. It needs to be improved. There needs to be serious improvements to that, to the layout of that junction before cyclist and pedestrian access through that gate on the South Douglas Road can be put in. And I think Terry or Councillor Shannon and Councillor Cahill and others are committed to making sure those changes happen. But I think it's not helped by the likes of Dan Boyle and some others jumping up and down saying, open it now or we wanted it done last year. Why isn't this done? Criticising the City Council. The City Council deserve criticism in a lot of cases, but I don't think this is one of them. It needs to be done properly. It can't just be a case of, here's the, here's the gate open now, lads. 
drive on or not drive on, cycle on or walk along, walk on and just that that's it. That's not enough. That's not good for anybody's safety. And I think if Dan Boyle and Councillor Cahill and Councillor Shannon um worked together and instead of trying to work against each other and instead of trying to score points with whichever lobby group that they are giving a voice to, it would happen a lot faster. But I think, to be fair, I'm more on Councillor Cahill and Councillor Shannon's side on this one. I think they've been very fair in the way they've gone about interacting with people. And I think they've been very fair and genuine in their opinions regarding this. But I think some people choose to not take them seriously or choose to target them because they don't share the same urgency or they don't give it the same priority that the, the likes of Councillor Dan Boyle do. Councillor Dan Boyle obviously is representing the people who have voted for him, but I think quite quite honestly he's been hysterical over this one and He's been the king of Twitter, as he's always been, cheerleading rage, cheerleading anger, and throwing out general statements, throwing out general proposals, and lacking specifics, and then leaving it to other people to try and figure out how to do it. That's pretty much what Dan Boyle has done since he's been in power, throwing out these kind of 40, 40 words opinions whereas there's little substance behind to what he's saying. And I think if he cut that out and was a bit stronger with people and saying, we want to get the gate open, but we need to do it safely, then I think it would happen a lot faster. And I think people wouldn't be brought into a rage and an anger that they have been. And just the final word on the public representative support. I hope to have some councillors um, onto this podcast. And Councillor Dan Boyle, Councillor Shannon, Councillor Cahill are more than welcome on it, as are councillors from the north side. I'm from the north side myself. And I, I would love to have a conversation with people from our councillors from the city and from the county about the future of transport in our city and in our county. Um, and I think by engaging with people we'll achieve a lot more than by just sticking to social media and cheerleading lobby groups i'm a lobby group here myself but there's been there's been no public representatives cheering cheerleading us because realistically it's a new movement but it's also quite politically unpopular in some quarters to be seen to actually be in tow with motorists, whereas motorists represent a very large percentage of the electorate and we haven't been represented as one voice up to now. And in our city, at least, and in our county, I plan on changing that. And any councillors who want to work with us, whether they agree with the goals of our movement or agree with what we say we're more than happy to engage with them more than happy to work with them to bet for the betterment of our city um and i think it's about time that you know that we all start working together regard or rather than kind of blaming each other or blaming motorists or blaming the city council or blaming this let's take it into our own hands now let's come up with meaningful proposals that benefit everyone not just a select few so 
that brings me on to our final um, topic for today's podcast. Um, it's regarding the future of the movement and this podcast. So up to now, I it's just been me, Mark, um, tweeting. It's just been me going on social media. It's just been me going on local media. I'm putting out the call now to motorists out there, people who are interested in our movement to get involved with us. It's volunteer-led. You can offer opinions, write articles on our blog, and it'll be the blog will be started up quite soon and appear on the podcast. Um, you're more than welcome. And it's something as well that I want, as I said earlier, public representatives to engage with as well. I think um, motorists' voices need to be heard. There's going to be a lot of changes in our city um, and we're going to be campaigning for the interests and voice of motorists to be heard at official level. And that's what we're here for. We're not here to give out about people on social media. We're not here to bash cyclists. We're not here to bash uh, pedestrians. We're here so that any future changes in our city regarding public transport and roads access and and commuting in our city so that pedestrians or so that motorists are not forgotten about and by it's something i i wrote on twitter this morning everybody living within 20 or 30 kilometers of the city should have reliable cheap and and um reliable cheap and I suppose, good public transport alternatives to get into the city centre. And where those ones aren't available, because there's a lot of people living in rural areas where you might have to walk for half an hour to get the bus, that then you have those park and rides on the outskirts of the city at near Dunkettle, near Blarney, near, like, even if you had a park and ride near Ovens. Well, I suppose Ovens, not really, because they have a good bus service there from... um from Ballancolic into the city. But parking rides in, in locations whereby it's not might not be possible to have a good quality public transport system running regularly. So I think those parking rides are important as well. And those are the issues that we will be campaigning on um, and that we, we hope to get some kind of voice heard um, by governments and the city council and um, so that that's that's basically the future of the movement is that we will be campaigning for those things we're not here to oppose cycle lanes just for the sake of it but where we do present opposition or opposition to a certain project whether it's a roads project a cycle lane project or pedestrianization of a street on a full-time basis that's not done because we're anti anyone or because we're trying to maintain a privilege we do that because we feel that there's a genuine reason why that won't work or why it would be better to do it another way or why we're not ready to make that decision yet. Um, and where those instances do arise, we would clearly set out our position. Um, we will try and be as inclusive and and um, productive and... Um, persuasive as we can we're we're not setting out to try and annoy anybody but we're just setting out so that motorist interests are represented and heard and that if we feel that the city council or the government or whoever is going down the wrong road by making such a decision that our voice would be listened to and we're not naive enough to think that we're going to be 
we're going to be the ones that block projects from happening or we're going to be the ones that to make governments and city councils see the light but we just be the one want to articulate the voice of motorists and that's why i would invite people to submit their opinions to us or direct messaging is open on twitter you can email us through the podcast or through the the blog, the blog, which is corkmotoristmovement.wordpress.com. Um, I have set it up, but there's, there's very few posts on it yet, but you can certainly email us through that. Send your opinions to us, and those will be taken on board. And as I said, if you want to get involved in the movement, please do reach out to us. I want this to become about more than just me. I am the founder of the movement, and whatever structure we kind of come up with for the movement i do hope to remain the chairperson of the movement but i would certainly welcome people to get involved with us who represent alternative points of view or who want their slant on things motorists who want their slant on things to be represented and if we could set up a committee or if we could set up just a group of five or six of us or even 10 of us whereby the 10 of us discuss those issues and we kind of be that place where motorists can come to have a discussion on various aspects and for us as a lobby group to represent them then i think that would be a very good place for us to be um but as i said please do reach out to us we're at cork motorists on twitter at cork motorist on facebook and on wordpress it's cork motorist movement.wordpress.com so the future of this podcast is the last one i want to discuss i'll keep doing it i probably won't do it on a weekly basis going forward because i suppose there's only so many topics that will come up in a week weekly basis that re- relate to cork motoring but I'll, I'll endeavour to keep it up at least once a month. Um, and if the demand is there to do it more often than that, then I'll do it more often. Maybe I'll do it twice a month. If I did it twice a month, I think it would probably be fair and it would be it would be useful for people. So if I'll do it twice a month. I hope to get guests on. I've, I'm going to reach out to a few elected representatives over the next couple of weeks to try and organise something. I hope they do engage with us. Any, regardless of whether... They are supporting motorists' uh, point of view or if they haven't traditionally been like the Green Party, for example, you'll find that if you do come on the the podcast that it'll be a welcoming place. It won't be hostile. You'll be asked for your opinions. I, I will challenge them, of course, and I would expect you to challenge mine. But it will be somewhere where we can have a mature, respectful discussion away from the, I suppose, the them versus us place on twitter and the kind of the atmosphere on twitter that kind of prevails regarding it's kind of hostile it's personalized and it's kind of aggressive opposition and aggressive extremes that won't be the play that won't be what you'll see on this podcast what you'll if you come onto this podcast as a guest regardless of whether you're a cyclist a pedestrian a motorist or whoever you'll find that you'll be meet you'll be dealt with or you'll be spoken to and um 
interacted with in a very respectful manner and mature manner and your opinions will be allowed to be heard there won't be any shouting down there won't be any cutting across to you it'll just be a mature respectful discussion and it's something that i hope that we we can all learn from and it's i'm in the learning process as well in that i don't have the same experiences that other road users have so i would love people to come on the podcast and enlighten me as to what their experiences are so I'm going to leave a go for this week. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. It's gone on a bit longer than I thought. Um, so I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. And no doubt we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks very much.